This NBA season, make every three-pointer, alley-oop, and buzzer beater even more exciting with FanDuel. You can bet on everything from first baskets and number of dunks to which player will drain the most threes. Or stack your bets with the same-game parlay for a shot to win even bigger. It's quick, easy, and you'll get your winnings fast. So download the app today and see why we're North America's number one sportsbook. Make every moment more with FanDuel. 19 plus and physically located in Ontario. Gambling problem? Call 1-866-531-2600 or visit connectsontario.ca. Welcome back to the Weekend Ball Podcast. My name is Alex Adams, live here in Ottawa, Ontario. I am joined by X.com's lead FIBA World Cup analyst, uh, Scott Witter, and, and and the Dylan Brooks personal shirts manufacturer as well. Uh, Scott has a lot of has a lot of day jobs these days. So uh, thanks to Scott for coming on as well. We have Maddie Ireland of the Great Canada Hoops podcast. Um, and uh, he's he's obviously very uh, excited with what's happened with uh, Canada. And then as well, uh, Jonathan Chen, who my colleague at Raptors Republic and uh, everyone should check out his work uh, because, uh, you know, when he's up at 645 writing long ass pieces uh that are, are amazing so uh thanks so so much guys for for taking the time and doing this i really really appreciate it and just maddie for you i know you've you've talked about 2000 when i was two years old i don't know even how old uh, jonathan was but what what does it mean to you to, to see this program not only make the olympics but get a medal at the fiba world cup and beat the united states in that in the process yeah i mean it's uh it's been a journey right and i think um it's it's one that uh, I know for me personally, and anyone that's really locked in on the program for that long, I think uh, I don't know. I wouldn't change it. I think it it's made this this tournament and this result that much sweeter. And um, you know, you, you look at the highs and lows over the the twenty four years it'll be for next summer uh, of the program, and you know the players that have come in and out and played for the team and. Yeah, it's been uh, it's been an incredible two weeks. I would say I think everyone can kind of agree with that. Um, I think in a lot of ways, the result and the team exceeded expectations. There was a lot of unknowns. Uh, this uh, is a lovable group. I, I really feel like this team was one that everyone could embrace. Uh, if you look at every sort of factor that was going on with the team, with with Jordy coming in late. Um, Jamal not being available, maybe some questions there. Uh, and then obviously Dylan stepping up in a huge way in the last game to beat the States. Uh, but it just, the run has been incredible. Um, I think we had talked about it through, through Twitter and, you know, after that Spain game, um, it, it was emotional. It really was. And, uh, you know, just, you, you get to know people through the program that um, are part of Canada basketball, whether it's coaches or players or, you know, CEOs. And then you get to know the fans and the community and uh, guys like yourselves. And I've enjoyed that part a lot um, to see the growth of the, the support and the fan base. Uh, yeah. It's, it's this, this run was one that like I didn't anticipate. Mm. Uh, I thought, I thought we were, um, kind of shell shocked after the France game, and a lot of us were talking about it. Like, wow, this, this team could be for real and very special. And then the weird loss to Brazil was just a, a bummer, right? But um, yeah, it, it's exciting, and I think um, what I've really enjoyed too is 
it's, it's brought a lot of attention to the program uh, for the senior men's team, which is, um, and positive attention, I think, which was needed. And, um, there's been too much negative connotation around the, the senior men's national team with like, who's never playing like, Oh, you, you see all the talk, like where's wigs and you know, where's all these guys? Well, you know, there's a lot of reasons, right. And I would never point fingers at players, but, um, super excited guys. I mean, it's just been a whirlwind. So many of us, uh, fortunate to uh, get to talk about it uh you and scott were there to cover it which was incredible to to see that from you guys and know you guys and uh have that relationship and reading jonathan's stuff and his insight and uh you guys are definitely probably more technical than i am um, which i've always appreciated um but yeah just uh i'm getting too long here but just an amazing time guys and i, I can't wait for next summer uh, the plan is to to be in Paris. Ooh. Uh, you know, it's Lille first too, eh? Yeah. 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 Cool. Um, so yeah, just exciting fellas. And it's just, uh, I almost don't want to come off the high of the <laughs> result. Uh, obviously the final would have been nice, but to really come out and play as well as they did in the final to wrap this up against the U S uh, and Dylan to shooting the piss out of the ball. Uh, it was exciting. And, um, you know, I can't wait for uh, more talk of this team uh, next summer. Scott, how much credit do you take for Dylan Brooks, you know, playing so well since he met you? Like how, how much of, of that um, is really on you? I think he, he had a good first game uh, against France. And that was before he met me. So, you know, if, if we met before that game, then I'd take all the credit. But I'll just kind of take partial credit here because he was still he looked like he was looking pretty good through the through the friendlies and, and that first game versus France. but And and Scott, how do you feel? like Because you you and Matt you have been just huge fans of this program. Yeah. Um, you know, now you've transitioned into a more journalistic role. Uh, but uh, <laughs> uh, uh, how, how do you feel like before this tournament, what were your kind of expectations? Are they, and just what was it like to, to see yeah. this program make the Olympics and then beat the USA for, for a bronze? Yeah. Yeah. So it's 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 different i think from maddie it's it's almost um a relief it's it's like this monkey's been kind of hanging on the back for um you know almost a decade it's this team should have been here you know before and mm-hmm. you know i'm not gonna put you know it it wasn't a team that choked you just you just kind of run into problems in you know single elimination tournaments and then you don't have many opportunities to to get to this place, right? You have a you have a last chance qualifier, and and things don't get, go right, or or you catch kind of a, a you know a France in your qualifier, or you have a you know you roll through a 2015 FIBA Americas and and get food half your team gets food poisoning, and and you get bad refs, and you stumble against Venezuela. These things happen. It's it's I've been kind of you know, crowing about this program. As a lot of people know, I'm an expat. I've been living in the United States. Um, you know, I've got like bets down with friends of, of like when Canada's going to medal. And, and I've been kind of crowing about this for a decade. And it's just nice to kind of get the monkey off, off the back. Like we knew this team could, could have done it a long time ago if the right guys were in the right place at, at the right time. Um, we've put together teams that were at least good enough to get to the Olympics and, and, you know, do well, um, at least get to the quarterfinals in, in, in the world cup. And, and it's just, it's just such a relief to kind of see, 
us finally get there. Um, I think Canada's, you know, like I said, been producing elite um, NBA players for a long time now. And it's just been, um, like I said, I'm on cloud nine, just kind of watching these guys all come together, um, embrace the right roles, have a superstar player that you can lean on in, in, in Shea. Um, and it was just, it was just an awesome run. I think, I think this is kind of where, I think we did our predictions in our in our preview, and I I, I felt this was a, a semifinal team, and and I, I think I predicted losing in the semifinals to the United States. I can't remember if I I followed that up and and said winning the bronze, but they looked this good during the friendlies. I think Germany looked that good during the friendlies. Yeah, I think after no, those first I... two games, we were kind of going, these could be two of the two best teams in the two of the best teams in the tournament. So. Um, yeah, that's where I am. I'm, I'm just, I'm just living on cloud nine and, and feel like a ton of bricks are, are kind of off my back as a fan, not that that matters, but also off the back of, of this program. Jonathan, what were you thinking when Mikhail Bridges made that shot and, and how nice was it to then see oh, him fall over his ass, uh, you know, five minutes later on that Shea, uh, step back where his ankle went I think in the ground and he broke it, but somehow it didn't break it and, and made that shot. Yeah, no, that, that shot, um, it definitely was flashbacks to, you know, the Sadoransky bank game winner <laughs> to everything. Like it was just, when I saw it, I was like, okay, yeah, this is it. We're going to let it slip away again. <laughs> and we're not going to go home with a medal, which you know what? It wouldn't have been the worst thing in the world, mm-hmm. but I think, you know, beating the U S is always a nice thing um, here in Canada. Um yeah, I know. And then the ankle breaker, like, because, yeah, I was up at, it was like, what, 6 a.m. And I had to be quiet because I'm in this, like, apartment. <laughs> uh, but, like, I could not, like, hold in the screen because that was a ridiculous play. Um, yeah, like, I, I have never seen that kind of, like, ankle breaker. Like, it was never, so vicious. I've never seen the off-ball defender break his Yeah, ankle. exactly. Has anyone exactly. ever seen that before? I've, I've seen the on-ball many times. But mm-hmm. off-ball help defender... <laughs> yeah and it, and it was like there was no push off or anything it was just a pure like he fell down he got his ankles broken um but yeah no that that free throw miss and then that three was um definitely a roller coaster ride at that moment in time because yeah i thought we sealed it with that shea kind of like fadeaway jumper or step back jumper um at the elbow over bridges yeah. you know i thought that was it it was kind of like the the spain shot i thought it was it and I clipped it during the game. So maybe I jinxed it. Um, <laughs> so I clipped it during the game and I posted it on Twitter. And I was like, okay. And while it was like uploading and then then the Bridges shot went in, I was like, oh God, what have I done? No, I, I think I did the same thing in the Spain game where I had a tweet about them losing. And then I had a, and then I had a tweet like prepared. And then I had a tweet prepared right. about Canada winning when they, when Shay made that shot and their he, uh, Bridges was so I think that the lesson is don't prepare tweets in close games. Yep. Um, yes. that's, that's what I learned. I don't know what the players learned throughout this whole experience, but that's that's what I learned as a media member. But um, Maddie, like, what do you think, what what are your expectations, Maddie, for the Olympics, for this team? And how much do you think that the USA game, I, I've been thinking about this, that it was almost better that they won the bronze than maybe winning almost the gold or at least like going to the finals and playing a non-USA team because just the fact they beat the USA going into the NBA season and into Paris, like they're going to have that chip on your shoulder and people here in Canada, like I've got all these media requests because I think because they beat the USA. 
rather than if they beat Germany or Serbia. But just how excited are you, Maddie, for the Olympics? And and what are what do you think the expectations should be for for this team? Well, I mean, obviously, I'm very excited, and I think the expectation uh, for Canada basketball from you know the program and and Rowan and, and Jordy and obviously uh, Mike Bartlett is you know to go win the damn thing. Um, I feel like you you nailed it. Like playing the U.S., setting up um, maybe this next year of like emotional uh, rivalry. Like right away today, there's been things on Twitter of LeBron wants to get back in and and bring KD and Steph and these guys to to right the ship for USA basketball. And I think it is because they took the L to to Canada uh, and there's going to be a lot more attention uh, to USA basketball because of that. You know, had they lost to Lithuania or someone, maybe not so much, but because we're right next door and we have the, the second most guys in the league and they see them throughout the NBA season. Um, it, it felt good to, to get that win. It just sets up Paris to be uh, a really interesting tournament. And we talked about it. Uh, the World Cup is a harder tournament based on the volume of teams and who will play and just to get out of uh, their into quarters and, and do some damage. So, like, the expectation has got to be to uh, win it. Uh, I don't see how anyone that is involved with Canada basketball or supports it can't say that, uh, given that, you know, this continuity and chemistry came together so quickly and now, you know, we're likely going to add guys to jump in to to give us a better chance um i think that's probably going to be obviously a talking point for a long time uh yeah. next year who's going to jump in um and i think yeah like let's go win it there's going to be less teams it's going to be an easier tournament in that sense just from the basketball standpoint you guys got to be able to stay locked in on, on what they're there for you know enjoy the olympic experience but um you know it's it's going to be an incredible summer next summer. I can't wait. Uh, Scott. So um, I know you're, you're all team bringing Wiggins, Tristan Thompson, Brandon Clark. Uh, no, just, just tell us a bit about what you're, <laughs> what you're thinking is, is in terms of, because now that the hot like button topic is who do you let back into the program? Yeah. Who's going to be there in Paris. Now I'm not going to ask you for your 12 in an ideal scenario, yeah. the 12 guys, but just I know how you think about this, but what do you feel about how Canada basketball should approach bringing new guys into this program and how they should try yeah. shaping the roster in Paris? Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I just first want to point out that this core 14 was put together with a purpose. You know, we've seen Canada struggle throughout the years because we we pull a bunch of new guys together who have never played before, have never played with the coach, have never played in the Canada basketball system train for a, a week or two and it's just too choppy right the you know the defense isn't there the offensive execution isn't there um the whole point of this was to get these guys together for summer after summer and build build chemistry build experience build playing together know your roles uh we cannot upset that apple cart right now the flip side is there's some obvious holes with this team as well. We we have some apparent weaknesses that that can be addressed by some of the guys who who weren't at this tournament. Um, there are some guys who are part of that core th- fourteen, 
that still matters to me, even though guys like Jamal Murray were wasn't there and has not suited up for this mm-hmm. team, even though he was part of the core four team. He said yes from the from the get-go. He's gone to the camps every every summer. There is some familiarity there. Um, you know, that elevates him over somebody like Andrew Wiggins to me. I still have tremendous respect for Andrew Wiggins and what he's done for for Canada basketball in the past. He also fills some, you know, serious holes for this team and can be extremely valuable. So I'm not going to sit there on a high horse and say Andrew Wiggins shouldn't be part of this team. Um, but I will when when we start kind of digging deeper into kind of these other names that people throw out there and get into their kind of fantasy basketball and and all those sorts of things. I think there should be a priority around the core 14, the guys, certainly the guys that were here with this tournament, because they've actually built something together and they've earned this and they, they deserve this. This even goes down to, to the kind of the non NBA guys, they should have some serious consideration here, but you have to, you do have to balance trying to put your best foot forward and put your best team together. So I don't know what that looks like. I don't know what Rowan and Jordy are going to decide. Um, if I was in charge, um, I probably would add a couple guys here or there, but it's not going to be four or five or six new players. It's going to be the bulk of this team is going to be going to be this that that core, these seven NBA players that were on this team, and you're filling some holes um, around it. That that's the way I would look at it. I'm kind of going to stand firm about that, but I'm open to uh, I'm open to debate and people people changing my mind. Yeah, I mean, I don't know what Jonathan thinks, but I'll just give like my quick two cents. For me, it's tough because I think of like a player like Andrew Nemhart, who actually did play, has FIBA experience, was there in 2019 at the World Cup. Um, But he wasn't part of the core 14, but that was mostly because he was so young and not at that level, right? So it's the young. What? Pardon me? He he wasn't even asked. Yeah. so and that's where I think, well, it's not his fault that he wasn't part of, of the core. Maybe maybe he turned them down this year. I don't know. Um, I don't have insights. Yes or no on that. But those are the types of players. Now, obviously, you mentioned Murray. That makes sense. Uh, if he wants to play for Canada, he will be there. Um, Andrew Wiggins, as you mentioned, would be a great player to add. He's played FIBA, right? It's not like I, like for me, I'm out on maybe a Matherin or a Sharp or Miller, just because they have no FIBA experience. They're young. They don't really fit a need on this roster. We have all these wings or shooting guards, right? Um, so, but let's say for positions of need, maybe a Brandon Clark. I don't want to say Tristan Thompson, but maybe a Tristan Thompson as like a backup um, kind of center makes enough sense. He has some FIBA experience. So those types of players in positions of need maybe make more sense to go out of the core 14. Or even a Kem Birch if he comes back to you know being yeah. decent again. Um, so it's an interesting debate, but I agree with the idea that like you bring back the seven NBA guys. I'd love Mel- Melvin Edgem to have that twelfth man just because he's been on this roster and and on this with this program for so long, and yeah. to have him on would be almost salute cool. to all those other guys, yeah. right? Yeah. And is the twelfth man really going to be contributing a lot? in these games yeah. probably not right um so it's more but who's the backup he, point he, guard. he we heard he did in a way right even though you know he was getting his minutes here i think it was yeah. i think he yeah. averaged 10 minutes a game but there was multiple times people were kind of dropping his name and mentioning him as being kind of the the leader you know at the practices on the bench you know rallying the guys you know advising them teaching them about fiba i think that's a huge role for a 12th man like him 
Um, it's important to have a guy like that. That's just going to do anything has been there, you know, knows the game has the experience and is going to help some of these younger guys out. No, I, I, I totally agree. And and that's why, um, it seems perfect, right? Like, I think that the, what they need is another big, they need probably a point, a backup point guard. Maybe Corey Joseph comes back. We'll see. Or, or probably you'd rather a Nemhard who, who looked really good and has FIBA experience. Yeah. Then you, Hopefully, I I'm on Team Wiggins just because it's like you're not up like upsetting the apple card. Like he's played, yeah. he has some continuity with some guys on the team, right? He was there in 2021, not in 20, not just 2015. But uh, what what do you think, Jonathan? Uh, I'm just kind of curious because I feel like yeah. it's just me and Witter, and I need I need the expert of all things Canada basketball to. to oh. <laughs> you know, I was just gonna say I think I agree with you guys, like hundred percent. The core. And continuity, it's just so it's so important. And you know, we saw it with teams like Spain, Serbia, who may not have like their most talented kind of roster, but their offensive execution, their familiarity with each other was just off the charts. And even like in a single elimination game, that might push you over um and give you the win. Um, and so I think keeping the core of the seven NBA players is like a must. Um, and I think the other thing that I wanted to add was that I know a lot of play- people want kind of the, the younger NBA players, um, that are kind of budding stars or, you know, you know, the Matherins, Shaden Sharps, uh, like you said, Alex Leonard Miller, um, Max and Prosper, I've heard being thrown mm-hmm. around as well. Yep. Um, I think the one issue that we usually see with kind of younger NBA players, especially Matherin and Sharp. Um, is like their kind of off ball and their their off ball defense and their I guess their defense in general is not the the best and you know one on one defense fine I can let it slide I can let it go through but I think the the issue is that I would have with them both being on this team in smaller roles would be I would have some concerns with their team defense because you know in the NBA as rookies do you know they struggle. On defense, they struggle to make the right rotations. You know, they take two steps this the wrong way, and then it's an open three, um, because those are the kind of margins in professional basketball. And you know, I had a I had a tweet about it a couple of days ago, but it was like, I think it was the the Latvia game where Phil Scrub kind of got inserted early, and he was defending um, Bertans, who loves to like kind of ghost these or slip these screens, and. Scrub, he did that That really, it's like this new kind of way to defend it where you kind of push the defender or the screener into the screen so he can't like slip it. Like he has to make contact and it makes it easier to defend. But I think it's like those like small little nuances where like a guy like Matherin and Sharp aren't at that level yet. They don't have that experience. Because um, yeah, we saw it exactly with, you know, Jamal Murray, for example, who wasn't the best team defender coming out of college. But I would say at least in the finals run, he made some really key defensive rotations. And so I think, I think that's the part that I would kind of caution against is just bringing this all-star or not all-star, but like bringing, bringing the most, the 12 most talented players, especially if they're a little young. Um, I think the only kind of exception to that rule is Andrew Nemhard because somehow this man knows all of these rotations and he has like, he can make those reads on defense and he has like this instinct um, which is incredible. And I, and it, we're so lucky he's on Indiana because Caitlin Cooper, who's a brilliant writer, she kind of picks up on all of these little things that Nemhart can do. Um, and so I think I, I, I just wanted to add that, like, yes, 
these Euro guys like Edgem, Kyle Alexander, Phil Scrub, they might not be as talented um, as a Matherin or a Sharp, for example. But I think in lower kind of usage roles, they might fit a little better. Um, yeah. But then again, one of the weaknesses was probably, you know, we were over-relying on Shea. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, so I think, I also think the other point is like, it's so far away right now and there's always injuries and contract stuff that come yeah. up. Mm-hmm. Um, so that like, I, I understand getting into the debate, um, but I, I would just caution against people yeah. who aren't as familiar with kind of FIBA and Canada basketball of like just bringing the yeah. 12 most talented people. Yeah. And, and Alex, I want, I want to jump in just and touch on something. Cause you sure. were part of this in, in Jakarta. Um, mm-hmm. I, I really implore your listeners to kind of like back off on, on these young guys. It's if you look at the history of Canada basketball, it's extremely rare to have guys playing that are on their rookie contracts for, for Canada. Um, and something that we don't talk, a lot of people don't talk about is a lot of this is, is tied to insurance issues. Right. I knew it. So, so Alex was there with us and and we were kind of, you know, poking at some of the Canada basketball officials on, on some of the young guys like, Hey, you know, why aren't they there? And then, you know, they're not going to mention specifics, but they brought up saying, Hey, listen, insurance is a real problem for these young guys. Do you, and do you want to just explain listeners? It? Yeah. So, so what listeners might not understand is, is, um, you know, what FIBA and the NBA have agreed on is, is I think it's really covered by FIBA, but, um, they'll provide insurance for players who, who get injured, hurt, uh, during FIBA competitions for the life of their existing contract. Right. So anything beyond that contract, um, is not going to be covered. So where that really comes into play are these young guys on, on, you know, low rookie contracts, especially if they're going to be facing a massive contract down the road, hundred million, 200 million plus. Right. So somebody has to come in and, and provide insurance for those future earnings, which FIBA will not cover. The NBA will not cover. Somebody has got to come out of pocket for that. Is it going to be Canada basketball? Well, these policies are really expensive. Canada basketball does not have much money. You're not going to ha- necessarily have the player come out of pocket on, on these things. So there's just no money to pay for these um, extended policies on, on these young guys. You won't see that as much a problem with the older guys. They're almost self-insured with the money that they've banked already, or these younger guys who just don't have that excessive future earnings. Um, you know, the guys who are on million, $2 million contracts, and that's probably what their next contract's going to be. Much, much different uh, insurance coverage than somebody who's going to be on a 150 or $200 million contract. So my only caveat here is this is the Olympics. And Mike Bartlett's a really smart guy who's working on funding and and pulling money into the program. Does everybody jump on the bandwagon for the Olympics and come up with some money to to pay for some of these insurance policies? Um, And if so, is is that even a good use of money for Canada basketball? Um, You know, burning burning this uh, money on a contract for Shaden Sharp or or Ben Mathurin, where they're not really needed. They're not necessarily going to help unless we see, you know, major injuries to to some of our wings. Maybe Andrew Nebhart, if if they're going to sit there and go, hey, that's a real need position. Maybe we'll maybe we'll cough up the money for it. Uh, but definitely not guys like Leonard Mailer or or some of or, or Omax. I, I I just don't see that happening. And I'll kind of pass it back to you guys. Yeah, no, no, for sure. I mean, uh, and shout out to, to you know to Mike Bartlett, who um, we we all know pretty well. Uh, I don't know if Jonathan knows him, but definitely Maddie and 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 you, uh, Scott, and I know him very well. And as you mentioned, just uh, it's going to be very tough. I do think Nemhard is probably the easiest, just because he's on 
going to have a max contract extension coming up on like maybe a Shaden Sharp or Matherin, like those kind of young guys who are top lottery picks. Obviously, he was picked in the second round, so it might be different. But Maddie, I want to ask you the, the question that I've been asking a lot of people on, on the show. And you were there in 2000. That's how you fell in love with this team. But is is SGA, 2023 SGA, is he better than 2000 Steve Nash? Wow. Listen, the result in a lot of ways speaks for itself. And I think that's kind of where I'll go with that. I think, um, you know, at the time in 2000, um, Steve was obviously our guy and driving the team. And, uh, you know, I think he carried them as far as he could. And it was a pretty talented team. If you look back to that roster at, at that time, uh, him and Todd McCullough were the only two NBA guys. Uh, and Rowan played a big role, Sherman Hamilton, some of, and Mike Meek, some of the icons in the game in this country and who have since done a lot for the program. Uh, I just think, like, I will say this. I always talk about, like, a top five when I have guests on on uh, Canada Hoops, and um, I've kind of settled with the four, and I just, SGA for me is going to be rounding out my five. I just, <laughs> the result is there. You look at the way the competition is now globally and, uh, you know, yeah, he's, he has led the way and, you know, uh, I think Scott mentioned it there uh, on X.com about, you know, like, you know, Nash, uh, he had that one great game against Yugoslavia. Um, but yeah, I just think the body of work and, uh, you know, I'd be, I think Steve would maybe, maybe even say it himself. It's like, man, this kid is yeah. unreal. He talked about it pregame on the broadcast. Um, I mean, Steve knows, right? And uh, I love Steve. He's, he's my GOAT. But Shea has been tremendous. And, yeah, I think he's he's, he's probably taking that torch. And, and, you know, just the way he stepped up, you know, you talk about the supper in Vegas. And it's like, I'm in. Let's do this, right? Uh, I love that passion that he has. He's low-key. Uh, uh, really fiery inside and, and a competitor and he, he's taking the torch and um, is he the best Canadian basketball player of all time? Probably not, but I think for what he's done for the program in such a short window and how he's pulled guys in, I think a lot of guys want to play with him similar to Steve. Um, yeah, Shea has quickly become the man Um Will he win an NBA MVP to kind of balance it out? Who knows, right? That's I look at those the, the, the two time for Steve, and that's that's incredible, right? But uh, Shea is our guy. I always think about Steve Nash if he could play in like today's era, just with like shooting, and he'd be like Trey Young with Steph Curry, and in this weird, just awesome mix. Um, but uh, yeah, no, definitely maybe Shea right now. I don't know what. Scott or, or or Jonathan think, but probably just at its peak playing for Canada um, is is the best player, and, and that's no slight yeah. to, to Steve, but uh, yeah. obviously doesn't have the doesn't have two MVPs right. that 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 might take a little well, bit of time. But yeah, well, well I, just if I can take... add something. Let's go. Go ahead, Maddie. Go ahead. Joe, and just if you look at the national team rosters, that like if we're just looking strictly at Canada basketball, and you know. Shea has had a better oh, yeah. maybe career with Canada basketball in this short window, obviously with this result in the World Cup. 
and how competitive it is now in the qualifiers and whatnot. Um, but he's had a better roster too. Like that's, you know, this is easily the best roster Canada basketball has ever had at the senior men's level. And Shea's got better players to play with than Steve did uh, 24 years ago kind of thing, right? So of course, uh, that, that that's a big factor. But uh, sorry, anyway, go ahead. I, I was gonna say my take. I think I've I've, I've put it. I've laid it on the ground on on <laughs> Twitter. Was uh, Steve was nowhere near his prime when when he was playing for for Canada. He was, you know, two thousand. He was he was kind of coming off <laughs> the bench half the season for Dallas. So this is that's the way I view it. I think Shea is is kind of near prime. I know he's he's young, but he you know he was he was all NBA this year. Um, you know, Steve really didn't get into that zone for a couple of years post, um, playing, playing for Canada. Um, and, and he was great. He had a great team that had been play, playing together for a few years. So they had really good chemistry. They knew each other and, and he was, he was definitely, you know, driving that team. But I think on an individual talent level, I'm, I'm putting Shea above 2000 Steve Nash. Now it's certainly more of a debate if you're talking about 2005 or 2006 Steve Nash. But but the the debate, Jonathan, and I wanted to hear what what your what you think is like Nash or Brooks. Like who who's better? Like I don't know. It's it's close. Like could could Steve Nash put 39 up on uh, the USA? I don't know. I don't know. I bet he could. <laughs> yeah, that, probably. That's yeah, I mean, in a secondary kind of role, probably like it's just a gunner, but. Yeah, I mean, Dylan, that that game was 39. I like when when Dan Shulman said that on the broadcast, like I was like, this has to be a joke. Like I went, I I physically checked the box score, like just to make sure like it wasn't an error because it just it didn't feel like 39, you know, like you know, you know, know. it's crazy. He shot better from three than he did from the free throw line in that game. He was eight (laughs) of ten from the free throw line, seven of eight from uh three, but just let's talk about Dylan Brooks because you know we've just t- done a diatribe about SGA versus Nash, but I mean Canada doesn't make the Olympics and and probably and doesn't win the bronze medal without Dylan Brooks. And um, I guess Scott, just you know, you knowing him the, the the most out of all of us, just what do you make of his uh, tournament and and just how amazing he was for Canada? That it was, it was awesome. Like, it's just, it's hilarious. Like I'm here, I'm here in Los Angeles and you don't understand how many people hate him. Right. Like, so little text message chains I got going with my friends and stuff like that. That was just dancing around the room, dropping memes on them and everything. So it, you know, he was, he was amazing. Um, And I don't know, I don't know what, I don't know if he tweaked his shot in, in, in well, the summer up in Toronto, well, we like people talk talked about, about. We We should talk about quickly before I let you go back, but like, me and you, Scott, we saw him shooting in practice. Yeah. He was by far the best three-point shooter. I know we talked about this on Twitter, yep. but yep. like he was the most consistent shooter, and that bared out in, in these games. And a lot of them, to be fair, a lot of the shots he made were wide open. It wasn't like yeah. he made a couple step backs, but it wasn't just yeah. him launching 40-footers like Steph Curry. But uh, yeah. anyways, I just wanted to say that. That's what you got to do when you play with Shea, though, right, is, is, is knock him down. And I don't think we really, um, you know, I hate to say this, but like, when when Lou Dort would shoot, I was I was like you know more surprised it went in, and I'm like oh great you know awesome like in, and he had some Dort had some some really good shooting games as well, but we got to the point with uh, Dylan where you're like you're almost expecting these to go in, and you didn't really feel that way with uh, some of the other guys RJ or or or, or Lou or, or even Nikhil for that for that matter, but he was awesome. Um, you know we we kind of questioned 
how he was going to adjust um, to the FIBA rules on on defense, which which allowed a little bit more. And it took him some time. Like he had some iffy games where he was just getting nailed for ticky tack fouls. So he, he had to learn kind of where the limits were and how far you could push it. Um, and I don't know if we, this was broadcast much, or I didn't see it much, but he did get all defensive player for the tournament. He so won defensive I, player of the year, yeah. Yeah, so so that that was very well deserved, and and he was like I said, fa- he was fantastic defensively um, all tournament, and then he he was chipping in, and then then put together that masterpiece against the United States. It was just it's glorious to see, especially after what he he went through over, over in the off season and over the last year. I think he takes a lot more. Uh, blame than than is is needed or necessary, but he brings that on himself. Um, and you know, a lot of people that want to point to his character flaws, I don't think they're there. We've never heard any teammate ever complain about him. Every teammate talks about how much they love him, what a great teammate he is. He's just an antagonizer that every team wants to have and loves him when they're on their team, and he just gets under the skin because. LeBron doesn't like to have people play defense against him, right? So, yeah. you know, it's yeah, I'll pass it back to you guys after no, that. No, I I totally agree with that. And and if you if you being around them like you and I, it just everyone seemed to really like him. You could see them around in, in the, the practices when you got the little five, ten minutes of watching them. One, the group itself, I have to say, looked really happy, really happy go lucky. You always saw Shay and Nikhil practicing together. It was all smiles. Now maybe they they know we're there and they're putting a good front, but I, I don't really. It didn't feel that way. Um, and and Dylan was always in the middle of it and, and joking around with guys. And um, the group seemed very tight, and they talked about that. Um, but but Jonathan, um, because I felt this player was going to be um, more like I thought Dylan Brooks was like the oh like he's going to take a bunch of dumb shots and before the tournament and he was sublime but rj barrett had a very up and down tournament what what do you just make of his tournament and um i will say re-watching canada versus usa for the 10th time uh he made a lot of big shots in that game that yeah. feel like a bit underrated but he made a bunch of big threes went four of eight mm-hmm. had some bad shots turnovers but also made some big big plays yeah i think i think with rj definitely sometimes some of the uh the low lights kind of stand out where it's like it's a turnover on the fast break. I think he had a couple of those throughout the tournament where, you know, Canada was kind of gaining momentum and boom, he tries to take kind of one on three or like one on two and he loses the ball. Um, And yeah, I think he had like a really tough first half uh, of the world cup. You know, I think what Canada played eight games. So his first four games, he had that five point and four point stinkers against France um, in Brazil, where he shot terribly. Um, but honestly, like, if you if you take that out, kind of, not take it out, but, like, if you kind of zoom out a little and you look at his whole kind of tournament, I thought he was, like, I thought he was fine. I thought he was fine. Um, I have some stats because I prepared some things or some numbers. So his true shooting percentage at the World Cup was 56%, which is not great. Like, again, efficiency was still a concern. Um, but it's better than what he was in the NBA last year, which was 53.1%. And that was like in the 22nd percentile when I was writing like the, the training camp profiles, like he was a really, really poor efficiency wise. Um, so that got a little better. And I think 
one of the interesting things was the majority of his shot attempts were in the non-restricted area of the paint. So it wasn't like quite right at the rim where he's excellent, but it was kind of in that middle-ish area between the free throw line and then the dotted circle where he was, where historically speaking, he's been like dreadful in the NBA. Um, in the NBA, for example, last year, he was, for every shot he took, he was getting 0.68 points of value back, which is really bad. And I think it really speaks to kind of his his touch issues. Um, he doesn't have the, the best touch, especially if you, you're thinking like, if you're thinking of an RJ Barrett shot, you're not thinking of a floater. You're thinking of like driving his right shoulder into somebody and using a strength. But at the World Cup, it was one point per shot. 1.00 oh points per shot and it was 21% of all of his like shots like the frequency was 21%. So kind of that in between game was a lot better. Um and I I saw Polar uh who, who's a um, brilliant follow on Twitter for like biomechanics stuff talking about for RJ really it's really important to get him on like curved drives. Mm. Um because it allows him to kind of use his strength because it gives him like different angles just coming off curls and like um, different handoffs and it doesn't, and he doesn't have to dribble as much, which is what RJ kind of struggled with. Um, and I think Jordy did a good job getting RJ into different positions and into different spots. There was a couple sets that I picked up on where it was obvious that they were trying to get RJ downhill, trying to get him in a good position to where all he had to do was use his strength to muscle his way to the rim. Um, but yeah, so I think, I think overall, overall, I think it was good. He was good. He didn't really show too, too much differently than what he was in the NBA, which I know a lot of Knicks fans are were mm-hmm. looking for like a big jump, for example. Yeah. Um, so I, I don't think that was there, but I think overall he was he was he was fine. Um and a little bit and I think Samson talked about this, but I think he was a little miscast as, you know, the second perimeter creator who you need to kind of rely on to say, okay, they're doubling Shea, RJ, get us a bucket. Um and you know. Like we just talked about, if Jamal is there, if Wiggins is there, maybe that's not an issue. And it puts him pegs, puts him down a couple pegs, and all of a sudden you're looking at this like really physical like wing player who, if you can get him in the right spots, he can be efficient. Um, so yeah, I think overall I would say RJ definitely had a really strong end to the tournament compared to his beginning. Um so yeah, like if I had to give it a grade, it would probably be like a B or a B plus or a B minus somewhere there where mm-hmm. he wasn't terrible, but um, he would he didn't like excel and show like so many different things. Maddie, just what was it like for you to see guys that have been in this program like Kelly, Dwight Powell, Melvin Edgem to make the Olympics, and then now you know not only that but to see them with a, a nice bronze medal around their necks. Yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me, you gotta love it, right? I mean, it it um it's been a long time coming. You know, you look at um like after on the broadcast, uh, you know, here in Canada on Sportsnet, they did a tremendous job. Shout out everybody there. Um, you know, after the Spain game, like Dwight's in tears, man. He's walking off the floor and we've all seen it. Uh and you know, you knew it mattered and him and Kelly with a big embrace, um, you know, two longtime warriors. Um you know, that was special. And I think, I think for a lot of people that have followed the program that resonated, um, you know, I might've had a tear going maybe, uh, as well. Uh, but you know, like 
you need those guys, man. You know, like Dwight, um, you know, he came up with big rebounds, you know, he was just a hustle guy. I mean, we're going to start putting a counter on how many times he's on the floor. And, uh, you know, I just, I thought, um, you know, Kelly showed a lot in terms of like reduced minutes towards the end of the tournament. Defensively, he struggled. Uh, there were situations where he, you know, needed to be uh, off the floor just for uh, defensive purposes. And you just know he's he's never going to complain about that. And, um, you know, I think he would probably be my guy I was maybe missed, most disappointed about in terms of the, the tournament overall. But that has a lot to do with um, just how much Kelly has put into the program, right? And uh, he had some big moments and hit some big shots. Uh, you can tell his presence matters out there. But, yeah, he just, you know, he struggled towards the end, but it didn't matter in, uh, uh, in terms of his minutes. He didn't care. Uh, you know, he just, like, that last look uh, before going into overtime, I wanted that for Kelly so bad. Like, that was... We almost had a KO TKO there. Like that was that would have been. We would have been talking about that till the, the day we died. Like just like what a look, and then, um, I couldn't I couldn't imagine if that had gone in. But uh, you know, just for these Warriors, right? Got through the ups and downs, and those guys. Like if you just look at this roster, like Mel Kelly Dwight. Those guys through the ups and downs, they played a long time. I think other players that I've sort of talked to a little bit through social media, uh, going back maybe a generation before, like, I think the alumni resonate a lot with those guys Hmm. and to have them a part of this group to get the win. Um, you know, the emotion that they had was special. And, uh, you know, those, those are the guys that I would love to just sit down and chat with just about the the ups and downs through the program. And, uh, but yeah, just, uh, yeah, it, it, it's it's great to have those guys getting this opportunity next year because you know, like, the next window through Los Angeles, probably not going to be on the team, right? So oh, this I, is their this is I, their shot, right? I just realized Scott will be there, so that's nice. Yeah, yeah, that's I, right. I didn't you put, might get a bunch of roomies down there. <laughs> yeah. Talk to my wife about that, but yeah, yeah you're welcome. <laughs> Um, with that, uh, just what do you guys make? And, and maybe Scott or Jonathan, one of you can chime in just on, on Jordy Fernandez. Cause I thought he had a really tough job in terms of getting this together with this group with, you know, basically having to, to bring them together within a month and a bit. And he successfully did. And they, they won, they won a bronze medal. They made the Olympics, uh, his, uh, his, um, scrums or or his uh timeout uh um media availability or not media but uh his audio from those and and video were were pretty legendary of him cussing out the team but uh like scott just like what what do you make of the job he did at this tournament that that was clearly the right hire by by canada basketball And, and i think i think you know a lot of a lot of people were involved in that and i think a lot of a lot of people a lot of different people were pointing in his direction so it just he was fantastic he was fantastic to watch he was um he was a pretty cool cat the he looked like he had a great relationship with the players um you know he was he was making mo for the most part the 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 right in game calls i think we can kind of quibble on some some things here or there um but in such a short 
time um he really pulled it together and like like i said if we were grading him you got to put him at like an a or an a plus so glad we got him glad he's going to stick around um and i kind of look forward to see what he can do with a little bit more time with this team um can he kind of stamp his fingerprints on it a little bit more is he going to make roster changes um that's kind of a uh what i'm really curious about at this point yeah i'm, I'm the same way i'd love if he just called timeouts a bit earlier and also um i'd be interested to see what he'd do with maybe a like a better bench right yeah. i don't think it was his idea to play shea 36 minutes a game and, and not go to the bench and or then feel like he had to to kind of save like shea and stuff like that so it would be interesting to see how he'd um kind of what he'd look like with a, a jamal murray who he knows very very well probably uh, the best, like the the player on the team, he knows the most uh, probably before this tournament. Maybe it might be different now after, but uh, yeah. Um, just what what have you thought about his uh, job, Jonathan? Just like X's and O's wise. Yeah. No, I think I think he's been incredible. Honestly, um, I think the most of the things that I've saw were like, especially in that first exhibition game where Shea was getting like so much attention and like so many people just on a simple pick and roll um and like here i am thinking i have no idea how we're gonna solve this and i'm freaking out i'm like oh my god what is gonna happen and then then the next game then next time they play them they come out with a kind of like flattening and putting everybody on the baseline for example um so that there's more space for shay um so yeah i think honestly he, he was incredible especially at kind of the adjustments he was making um there was just so many numerous times where it was it just like the decisions he made were working. Um, and I, I think I also like to see that he was not afraid to kind of try different things. So like I know that in the USA game that we just saw for the bronze medal, I know that everybody's going to be talking about it. But that Zach Eady run in the second quarter was like terrible. Um, it was minus 11 yeah. and they lost the lead. Right. But like. I thought it was pretty interesting t- because, you know, America, everybody's thinking, okay, you got to switch. You got to play fast. You, you got to keep up with them. Um, but then Jordy goes the opposite way and he tries something. And he's like, you know what? We're just going to, we have the size advantage with Kelly already. Cause they did go at Reeves a little bit. And, you know, we saw Lithuania go at Reeves a lot and he was like, screw it. Let's just double down um, and force USA to adjust uh, with, by bringing in Edie. Now that didn't work. Um, it was terrible actually but i think i like that kind of like being able to experiment maybe not in the bronze medal game mm-hmm. um but i think overall he was excellent adjustments x's and o's i think he was he did a fantastic job really because if you think about it like he had what one month to kind of build his own offensive system know all the players know their tendencies know what they're good at what they're not good at you know and i think Usually from what I saw when I was going through kind of all the games um, that Nick Nurse coached, because originally that was my World Cup kind of preview coverage mm-hmm. was going to be, what are we going to see Nick Nurse run? And like that 2021 Olympic qualifier, there was like next to nothing being run um, in terms of like consistent sets. It was a lot of like, there's like this one dribble handoff, which he he calls in the huddle 31 cross, and he runs it with the rappers all the time. But like there was that one, play that they ran a lot and there wasn't a bunch of other stuff so i think that was one of the concerns coming in but i thought i thought the offense was fine um 
I think Brazil kind of slowed them down and maybe he didn't call the timeout when I wanted it to in the third quarter. Um, and I, I think the only nitpick for me would just be, can he figure out and can the coaching staff, cause I don't know who's in charge of this, but can they figure out a way to play Zach Eady and get Zach Eady on the court um, consistently? Because I think, I think his foot speed is like, obviously it's slow before a guy, his size, it's actually pretty decent. And I watched like all the pick and rolls this morning about, um, or all the pick and rolls that Zach Eady was ran run against um against the, the u.s and honestly i thought like the angles he took kind of the spacing like i thought everything was okay actually like they did score on four out of or sorry i think they scored on three out of the four and one of them was a foul but like i thought he was okay and and so i think if, if my one nitpick would be can we figure out a way to get him on the court play some type of zone defense maybe because i think offensively Edie is he is the solution to a lot of Canada's issues um, in FIBA. But uh, other than that, you know, A plus for me. Hmm. Zach, um, Zach shot a hundred percent on the tournament. If you can believe it. Yeah, I, I had the, I had the terrible misfortune of, of telling him he had a double double when he didn't have a double double. Um, <laughs> right. So that was, that was fun. Um, that's because FIBA's app makes no sense. Um, I just saw 10 and it was minutes and I was in a rush <laughs> anyways um uh just before we we kind of end off because we've been almost here for an hour just um what what are you most looking forward to with this group going into to paris like is it just to see shay again at the olympics is it to see dylan brooks if this is a real thing and the nba season is it rj is it jamal murray with the sga just Maddie, what are you most excited about for for Paris? I think looking like fast forward to a year from now, uh, you know the Olympics will have been completed. Uh, yeah, the the chemistry and continuity, I would like to see them not go too far away from that. And I think um, there's going to be a lot of debate about who comes back in. Um, you know, I had a thought like the other Canadian players like elite guys that are in the NBA, you know, you got to figure watching this run in this program and, and the guys being around each other and Dylan talks about it, his brothers, they like the other guys got to be excited about this. Like how can they sit there and not want to jump in and be a part of this? Um, you know, does it work? Insurance, contract, we've talked about that. Um, so I think they might put some pressure on the program to say, hey, I want to be there. Um, that they'll have to make a lot of considerations for. And ultimately, um, you know, we'll see where they go with that. We've talked about it for a long time in terms of, you know, we could get to a, a point with the senior men's national team where they're going to have to sit down a high-level NBA guy and say, hey, we're not going to take you. You know, and what does that look like for that player and their ego image and their brand and whatnot? And, um there's going to be some tough decisions that way. Uh, but ultimately, you know, and on the business side too, like um, I think Mike is going to join me here in a couple of weeks to, awesome. to chat. And, you know, this has done a lot for the program and see what kind of comes in on the business side and what, um, you know, uh, opportunities that come their way for the Olympics. Yeah. It's, it's um, I'm looking forward to it. I, I think, you know, the the core is important, 
I don't think it matters too much to Jordy. Like there's, mm. it's been an established uh, mindset with it from Rowan and his staff. Um, and Jordy is aware of it, obviously. He's, he's taken it and run with it for this tournament. Um, I, I just love what he brought. But I wonder if, you know, he's going to look at a couple guys and say, I need this guy. And he knows how he's going to implement them in a quick way to, uh, to, for them to be effective. And, uh, you know, and, and it, it's a long time away. There's going to be injuries. There's going to be contracts. You know, what's Zach looking at, like, uh, going into his first year as a pro? You know, what's what's going to be his mindset and, and what, he, what does he want to do? He seems like a guy that loves to be around the, the guys in the program, and you guys can probably speak to that yeah. more. But um, I can't wait. I can't wait for this, this winter to watch the guys. I don't know about you guys, but when I watch NBA games, like, um, you know, Obviously, Alex and Jonathan, you know, the Raptors run uh, every game coast to coast. Um, but, you know, I love watching like a Denver Golden State on a Tuesday night so I can watch Jamal and Andrew, right? So I lock in on our Canadian guys pretty much as much as I can. So follow them throughout the year and see what the seasons look like and their health and playoff runs. And Paris, here we come, baby. Does Scott or, or Jonathan anything you guys want to add to that? Other than, uh, are we yeah. all good? Are we all going to Paris? Is that is that the plan? Is that is, are, is maybe? I, I I'm looking at flights so and and tickets so um I might I might ask uh Maddie a bit after about yeah. that a bit but uh just Scott just what what do you think what do you think this kind of meant to the program and maybe to basketball in this country that they were able to to make the Olympics and, and what that will mean, but also beating the U S and how important that is as well. Yeah. Yeah. Well, first I think Paris is a lot easier to get to. It's going to be a lot more expensive and uh, those tickets are going to be harder to procure. So uh, you should start working on that now. Yep. Um, but I, I think it's, I think it's, there's, there's two things that jump out to me, right. Um, you know, we know North Americans are fixated on the Olympics, right? Um, so, so qualifying for the Olympics is, is massive. That's going to get the attention from um, uh, Canadian fans and, and, and media. Hopefully this got um, some more eyeballs and, and interest and, and people dialed in and, 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 you know, see what this, um, what Canada basketball is capable of doing. You know, a lot of it over the last um, decade was people kind of moaning and groaning a, a, about who's not there and, you know, choking when when we are there and things like that. So hopefully there's a new kind of attention and confidence um, and and following for for, for this team. Um, and then on top of that, beating the United States, well, you couldn't ask for more. What a way to top out a bronze medal, right? Like people, Canes love that, right? So that that had to, you know, you guys are up there. You know, I don't know if that, you know, just put gasoline on the fire. And and if you weren't paying attention, you, you know, you certainly paid attention to that. Like, what? Canada beat the United States in basketball? Um, so hopefully we can kind of keep feeding off, off of that and, and get more and more attention and and build something here where, where this really matters to these guys. Um, and I'm kind of, I'm just, like I said, relieved. We broke through. Um, let's keep the momentum going. Jonathan? Yeah, no, I think I agree with what Maddie and Scott said 100%. Um, this World Cup was definitely the one of the most kind of stressful experiences, uh, kind of following it through the whole way, you know, even starting from kind of before when it was like, 
what's the core? Who's going to commit? What's the draw? Oh my God, the draw is kind of tough. Um, and now that I, because I know us four, we had like the the pod previewing the World Cup. And so mm -hmm. it feels like a really big full circle moment to kind of close it off here. But I think it, it went as about, about as good as it could have been um, or it could have went. And it was honestly like, it was a special ride. It was a special team. Um, yeah. And, you know, I I'm just ready to do it all over again. <laughs> the stress waking up, well, maybe not waking up that early in the morning, but all of it again next year in the Olympics. Um, yeah. Cause I just, this Canada basketball, like I've been covering it since only like 2020, but it's, I find it a lot more rewarding and fun than covering um, the NBA sometimes. Um, and so I think it's, it's, we're in a good spot finally where I think more people are interested in Canada basketball, which is always good um, and important. So no, yeah, no. I'm excited for next year. No, I mean uh, to touch on, on that, but also what Maddie talked about and just like, I, I just think about, being there and when uh, they beat Spain and all the people that were emotional and obviously people were as well when, when they beat the U S but more so just making that Olympics. And you think about all the former players, uh, I think of, you know, people in the media and and everyone that's kind of tried to bring out and, and talk about this team for so long. And they've always disappointed at the, in the worst times at the worst moments and, and finally to come, full circle and, and really to realize their potential that uh, I think as um, Mike Bartlett said, Canada is a basketball country and a, a basketball power. And it finally feels that way. And that's pretty fun and exciting. And it just feels as though this is the tipping point. This doesn't feel as though we've reached the end in Canada. The best they'll ever do is a bronze medal. Now, maybe it is on the men's side, but it doesn't feel that way. It feels as though, um, to or on a the trajectory to bigger and better things which is crazy to think about but also doesn't feel very unrealistic when you have the talent uh, that Canada has and you know a part of me is, is really excited to see them maybe play the USA in an Olympics and I, I I take Shea with me all the time so um I like our chances so Overall, it's been a crazy tournament. It's been great that I've got to know you guys a bit more. Um, I, I, I don't really know Scott that well at this point. That's the one guy I've, <laughs> I'm trying to get to know a bit better. Um, you know, I know him vicariously through his shirts. That's 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 what's been happening. But uh, no, in all seriousness, um, it's awesome to to get to know Maddie, who's you know just such a big fan and and has such a great podcast and puts out such great content and. Jonathan as well, who um, I feel like I learned something every time I, you know, read his stuff and so yeah. dialed in and telling me what Euro League is. I mean, not that Scott doesn't as well. And then, you know, for Scott, I feel connected to Elon a little bit. So it's, it's just a great, go. Moment, like a full circle moment. But uh, I just want to say thank you guys so much for coming on. And uh, I hope we can do this a lot in the future. Um, I'm sure next summer we'll, we'll be having these podcasts in various forms. And, uh, I just want to say thanks again for doing this and taking the time and, uh, um, hopefully, uh, we'll be doing a podcast in late or mid August and Canada has won the gold medal. That's, that's what I keep thinking about. And, uh, maybe I'll be a bit inebriated at that time too. So, um, thanks again, I guys. A, I have a quick question just to jump in because, mm -hmm. you know, 
out of all the kind of Canadian media, the three people, or I guess four people that were there, Alex and Scott, you guys were there. What is kind of your highlight memory from Jakarta? Um, and I guess not so highlight as well. Actually, you know what? You can take whichever direction, just a standout memory. Uh I can I can do my my not so was driving back from uh, the airport on my first day and the the driver is like half awake and swerving and I'm thinking don't let me die this way um, but that was my welcome to Jakarta moment I don't know what was your low light was it eating the bad food or the the good food but made you feel queasy Scott yeah you know like I said it was it was my first trip to Asia in about a decade so I was really excited to go on like a street food tour and I think uh, I think I overdid it there and was uh, plagued with a little bit of uh, I don't even know what the Jakarta version is but it's the Bangkok trots or the Montezuma's revenge or deli belly or whatever you want to call it. <laughs> it, it it wasn't so bad but it was it was lingering for for many days yeah and uh, I guess to, to go on my my highlight I mean a lot of it was just being around Scott I will say seeing him and uh, Dylan Brooks and the t-shirt was maybe the funniest moment of the entire trip um, of, of Dylan Brooks dapping him up and enjoying his his t-shirt and also just I will say this at a press conference Scott saying Scott Witter x.com and then see <laughs> Shea Gildas Alexander smirk in <laughs> at the front on the podium I thought that was quite good because Shea does, is a man of few words and very calm but even Scott could could get a re- rise and a reaction out of him um I would say interviewing the play um like Bruno it was funny I kept seeing him on the plane and he said like have a great flight and I chatted with him at the airport and I said yeah the ref screwed you he's like yeah I know man it always happens that way so that was a kind of cool uh interaction and um just kind of being in the venue and um you know being around a Rashman Danny and Scott was pretty fun and, and had a bunch of cool uh and uh, I really like my interview with Sergio Scariolo. So th- there's, I mean, there's more than one memory for me, but a uh, trip of a lifetime and it's been surreal. And uh, I don't know what Scott's was, uh, but uh, um, take it, take away. Yeah. For, for, for me, you know, not only was watching, watching you go, go to work. And like I said, hardest, hardest working man in, in Jakarta and Alex mm-hmm. was really hustling. It was nonstop and it was, it was kind of awesome to see. Thank you. Um, but for me, like, I think I talked about this with a, a few people and um, listen, I'm, I'm a fan. I'm not a member of the media, you know, really. Um, so it, it was just a very different fan experience getting the media pass. Right. So I've never experienced anything like this before. So I'm in, I'm in the bowels of the arena with all the other media, you know, sticking my nose into the the practice sessions, being in the mix zone, being in the press conferences after the games, you, you know, you're right there with the players, you're standing face to face with them, you're interacting with them, you're talking to them, you're just kind of seeing everything from a different angle that's kind of, I think, hidden yeah. from from the average fan. So that was the huge, you know, highlight for me is like, I don't know if that'll ever happen again for me. So that's certainly kind of a once in a lifetime experience for me. Maybe I get lucky again. Um, but that was truly amazing for, for me just to kind of see that um, from from all those different angles. I will also say that Scott kind of grew into the media fan role. Like you, you started asking questions and, and very good questions. I, I forget what the question was, but you asked Trey Bell Haynes a really good like, what's it like between your team in Europe to to now being on this team? And he's he was like, oh, my God, this guy knows me. Like I could see the reaction. He 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 really appreciated it. So it was, it was pretty cool to to see you uh, 
I don't know, go to work or have fun, or I don't know how you'd want to describe it, Scott, but a bit of um, both, bit of both. So um, pretty cool. And uh, hopefully we can, you know, get some access or so. I know there's, you know, things we can do a bit in, in Lille and in Paris. So hopefully uh, see you guys there. And um, what, what, a, what a tournament, eh? Like I just, you couldn't have scripted it better. Um, you know, the Brazil game was almost the reward or, or what was needed to have that amazing Spain game losing to to Serbia. Sure. We didn't get the gold medal, but beating the USA in that way was pretty much close to a gold medal, maybe vibe. Um, so just what a tournament um, ups and downs and everything, but definitely ended on an up and uh, um, Dylan Brooks, I'm sure is partying somewhere wherever he is um, telling everyone in Memphis to go shove it. And uh um, I'm saying that to the French reporters. No, I'm kidding. Uh, but uh, yeah, so um, thanks again, guys, for doing this. This was a blast. We'll definitely do this along the way. Um, and uh, there's some rumors that uh, there's going to be games in Vegas and, and Toronto, maybe between Canada and USA, and that uh, maybe you get a, a press pass for Vegas and then we get it for Toronto or something. So yeah. let's make that happen. But uh, anyways, thanks so much, guys, and have a great rest of your fall and uh we'll definitely be in touch and everyone should check out everyone's work and twitter follows at uh scott witter at maddie ireland and, and at jonathan chen so thanks again guys for doing this this was amazing getting to know you and uh this was awesome thanks guys, thanks, guys. appreciate yeah, it thanks